0: Basically, it's like a cage of fun, like a ball pen, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, if the ball pen doesn't have any walls, the balls just fall everywhere, and there's no fun. <laughs> you need to have the pen, right? It has to have walls. So the balls. Oh are my fun. god, I <laughs> love
1: the anatomy. Isn't it great? Yes. Yeah,
0: so <laughs> so good. you have a ball pen, and people enjoy the ball pen, and that's what the rules are there for, so that people can get into the world and enjoy it. Yeah. If you start getting rid of the walls. It just goes everywhere. It doesn't work. <laughs> it's a big, bally mess. All you end up doing is tripping up on balls and breaking your hip. And it's just ridiculous. <laughs> no one wants to do that. Why would you do that? He so... sounded so old-timey as well. <laughs> <laughs> Damn kids! Break my hip! Hello, and welcome to the Story Toolkit. I'm el O'Keel, co-author of Action, The Art of Excitement with Robert McKee, and joining me is Luke Linewell, writer and partner of the McKee Storylog Team. So today we're gonna to talk about the Matrix neo. <laughs>
1: Five seconds, that's how long you lasted.
0: Well, without uh, an impression. We don't have to talk about the matrix.
1: We could <laughs> talk, talk about, about something you like. <laughs> girls broken our hearts. Sports teams. The matrix. <laughs> Uh, And if you want to get in touch with uh, episode ideas or just want to say hi, um, because we're lonely.
0: (laughs) That's exactly what I was thinking, but I didn't (laughs) want to interrupt.
1: (laughs) It's like, we're so lonely. Uh, We're on Twitter at The Story Toolkit um, and the website, thestorytoolkit.wordpress.com. You can email us uh, direct through that, and that's got all the episodes on. Um, and oh, oh, yeah! I've taken to mention iTunes as well. If you are a listener on iTunes, um, if you can take two seconds just to drop us a little review, that would be amazing. Only though. if it's It'll a good review. Out. Yeah, only five stars.
0: Yeah, like, if you're um, not going to give us five stars, I don't. You can. I don't want to hear from you. <laughs> it's as simple as that. Five
1: stars or up.
0: Yes. Be, uh... Yeah. Complain to iTunes that you can't rate us higher than five stars. Yeah. This I command. We're a five-star podcast. <laughs>
1: Right, yeah. The Matrix.
0: The Matrix you Okay. Uh,
1: before we get into it, just wanna just run through um Matrix story. No, scripting.
0: Lieutenant, your men are already dead. Okay. That's that's the story. Do you remember like Hugo Weaving is amazing at this. <laughs> anyway, um so Is it the first thing they saw it's the first thing I saw Weaving in. It's the first thing Weaving Weaving was born for the film. They made <laughs> him in a vat, brought him out, said, Hey, be Agent Smith and you went Okay. You're a plague. Oh, he's so good. Anyway, The Matrix is a film about things that happen in it. So there's a... Basically, the whole world... Everyone knows The Matrix. (laughs) The whole world is a computer program, okay? Run by the machines who turn us into this new... And he holds up a battery. And we're batteries for machines, and we live in a computer simulation. And we get broken out of the computer simulation, and we have to... Punch them with Kung Fu, because I know Kung Fu, cause you can download the skills. Watch and, um And then they kind of, turns out that Keanu Reeves is the one. And every action film you've seen since then is probably a rip-off of The Matrix. Yeah. So there you
1: go. It's worth mentioning just now, because I don't think it'll be uh, relevant later. You mentioned in a previous podcast that um, The Matrix was Hero's Journey,
0: right? Yes. Okay, so...
1: Is it worth just going through that
0: quickly? What, the hero's journey? Well, the thing that's interesting about it is that it's one of the most original hero's journeys. Because? Morpheus, you don't know if he's right. (laughs) You actually... The great thing about The Matrix is you don't know if Neo is the one. Sure. That's what makes it so much fun. Because normally you know Harry Potter is the one. You know that uh, this character is the one but with the matrix you genuinely didn't know if neo was the one you genuinely weren't sure when you watch it and you remember mind yourself what it was like the first time you saw it you genuinely don't know if neo is the one
1: and you even have a character yeah, the oracle that yes. morpheus trusts it says telling him yeah. you're not the one
0: because the oracle says that morpheus will find the one yeah and the oracle says to neo you're not the one yeah and uh, it's just great you genuinely don't know and then when it turns out he is the, like, there's this bit where, he, um, where Morpheus goes, he's beginning to believe, and you're wondering if he actually is, <laughs> and it's just great. You because Morpheus puts sacrifices himself for Neo because he's so convinced Neo is the one, yeah, and it makes it all the more poignant that Neo thinks he isn't, because when he goes to rescue Morpheus, it's like I'm going to help Morpheus. Not because I, I am the one or whatever. Because it's the right thing. Yeah, do. and it works. And so their relationship is really built wonderfully. Um, and that, to me, is why I think it's such a great hero's journey. Um, because Precisely because it does something that hero's journeys don't do. Far from hero's journey being a form that you kind of... Every story is the hero's journey, which is total nonsense. How was, the, how was Macbeth the hero's journey? He never understood this. Um, so it's just nonsense. But... um. It's a really good version of it that others that other heroes' journeys just don't realize because it it genuinely makes you wonder if the mentor is right <laughs> uh, which i really I think is great i think it's re- I think the first matrix is really funny, although will who uh, at some point will be on this podcast Will makes this hilarious <laughs> observation of the Matrix which is it's in the future and everything is amazing and oh look at the size of their mobile phones <laughs> and it's like quick I need to make a call and they pick up this giant contraption and like beep boop beep beep <laughs> And it's all on dial-up and everything, and it's just like, yeah, that's archaic. That's really gone the south. I think I might have mentioned
1: when we talked about the Matrix, and it is an old podcast where where it came up, but um, uh, how badly it dated the Matrix. <laughs> it's unfortunate, really.
0: In some ways, it's really dated. Yeah. In some ways, it's laughably dated. Yeah. Know? Like
1: it's like, oh yeah, that doesn't fly. This whole idea. I mean, we'll, we will talk about this later, but the whole idea that they travel through the landlines. <laughs> Has a landline anymore? I don't know. Um, it is so, yeah, quite it funny. is dated in, in many ways. It's uh, so much.
0: But it doesn't get in the way. No. It is, but it it's is funny. Story. It is funny, funny, funny to kind of sometimes of go, oh, yeah, that's ridiculous now.
1: Also, I don't necessarily want to get too hyperbolic um, strain off the bat, but Hugo Weaving, best villain of the last 20 years.
0: Mythologist Joker. Ooh, there we go. Anton Chigurh in a country from men.
1: No, Agent Smith over Chigurh for sure. Really? For me, yeah. I don't know.
0: I don't know why I'm ranking them. I love them. They're, it's true. We've had some really great villains, and Smith. Smith was Smith in '99, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's one of the best. He's he's just a great action villain. Full stop. Yeah. He he's a lot like the T1000. Yes, he's just great and creepy, and what he's a very similar villain to the T1000 mm. in the same sort of vein of sci-fi and everything. But uh, Hugo Weaving. Nailed that character like you I don't think we've had a men in black villain since then men in black as just the trope you mean yeah they, we've had the men in black obviously yeah 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 Smith and Jones, but we haven't had um a villain men man in black type thing um since then like he he he's he's just great he's really something okay well so, I mean this is one of the problems with the sequels of the Matrix because they killed <laughs> Smith in the first one and like, well we can't have the matrix without Smith and you're like, you're absolutely right. It's. <laughs> I mean, they would have had to have come up with someone better than Smith, and I don't know how you do that. No, um, but Smith. Jeez, when you really watch it, like so much of that film rests on Agent Smith. It's funny being the, agent that, yeah. being that powerfully yeah. interesting.
1: Well, it, it's funny because in the in the first Terminator movie, you have the Terminator as the as the yeah. villain as the monster. And it's like, well, how do you get better than that? Well, you go to T one thousand, and G-1 my 10 god, 10, was T one thousand great so good. But how do you get better than that for three? And that, that's that's the ceiling for yes. that
0: sort of. But we're not going to be talking about what makes a no. great villain. No, <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was worth mentioning. Yeah. Um, okay then. No, he's right. You're right. He's great.
1: Let's get on to what we actually want to talk about, which is rules.
0: Rules in the fantasy world. Rules are there to Woo. control Woo. the fun. <laughs> yeah, that's right, Monica. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so rules. Uh, this was a podcast you wanted to do. It was. Yeah. So, well, uh, why don't you set, I, I know, the framework?
1: set the framework? Well, I know that in in the past when um, uh, McKee was doing lots of Q and As on Storylog, which are all still up there and worth checking out. Yeah. Um, but he was asked a lot about rules when writing fantasy and science fiction. Yes. Um, and it's not one that we've talked about yet. We've done no. world building. Yeah, um, and with Star Wars. With Star Wars, but actually creating rules and a framework within. Uh, yeah within which you can tell your story, seem yeah. like a, a good point in discussion. And I suggested The Matrix because I think it's one of the better examples of recent... I uh, say recent, we just said it was dated, but... Um, uh, yeah. One of the more recent examples I can think of that perfectly set out the rules and then just had fun
0: Yes, with that world. Yeah, it's it's it, the, the Matrix, the first one, is is really... Uh, the world is really good, and um, and it's exciting. I mean, it's
1: it's actually it's like obviously world. as well, but it's it, it's exciting. It excites yeah. you, but in part because the rules were so well yeah. defined and they exploit them.
0: And so the rules that, that it has are things like the world is a computer simulation. Yeah, that you access through phones, right? Yeah, so you access it through a landline. Yeah. Which means they can only enter and exit the Matrix through a landline in the Matrix. Yeah, Which means they can't just exit and enter anywhere. They have to find a phone booth, they have to find a landline, they have to find something They can't do it through mobile phones. Yeah, <clears throat> So that immediately creates this sort of awesome environment where, because there's a specific exp- exit point that they have to get to, they need to have an operator on the ship, so you can cut back and forth between... Because the, they can talk to the operator on the cell phone, but they can't exit through the cell phone. Yeah. Which is just a wonderful conceit. Right? I mean, why? It's just a nice conceit, okay? Yeah. And um, so that means that when they get in trouble, they can't just vanish. Yeah. Out of the fake world. They have to find a place to exit the world, okay? And it also sets up... Uh, explains why Neo, they had to strap him up with all those things when they made him take the pill... That made him wake up from the Matrix. They had to force him to exit. Remember, they, they set him up. They make him take a pill. They yeah, attach yeah, yeah. things to him. Why? It's because they have to find the body. They have to do- locate him. All that kind of stuff. They can't just zap him out. Yeah. And it also sets up that if you just pull the plug, someone just dies. Yeah. So they have to exit a certain way. Um, then you've got <clears throat> other rules such as that they can download any skill. Oh God, i would forgotten about that one. Isn't that great? Yeah. You just download any skill you want. Uh, you need to know something. Bam, you can do it. They but they can't conjure things. They can enter the matrix with certain things, but they can't just have those things. So have just that ta- wonderful gun scene. The it, white room. Like, yeah. What do you need guns, guns lots, lots of guns. guns. They can take a duffel bag full of guns yeah. in there, but they can't walk in. They can't just suddenly go. We need a tank, and then generate a tank in the matrix. They can't create things inside the matrix. They can enter it, they can exit it through specific points, but that's it. Yeah, And so it stops them from having too much power in the world. And um, it's just a really great conceit that lets them have a lot of fun with the world. Because then they go, okay, well, they can't do this. How would they solve this problem? How would they solve that problem? Um, and it also allows them to have certain sort of super, like, Superman-type powers you know, the kung fu, the jumping, and all that stuff. But it's got a reason for how it works.
1: Yeah, I... So I, everyone
0: works in the same way. I
1: just made a note on powers, and actually, let's just stick on that point. I love your definition, um, and just to kind of complete it. So the, the rules within the Matrix allow them to have these great powers, but the rules also stop them from being too
0: overpowered. Yeah, it stops them from... um from sort of like... The whole point of those rules for this is to help create the action. And if they're too powerful, then it means they can overcome conflict. Sure. So you want rules that on the one hand create conflict. Right? Right. So, But don't answer it. Because if you have rules, if if you create something that can just answer any conflict, then you can't have those problems. That's one of the problems when Neo is in the sequels. Oh, okay. He can just solve everything. He's got so much power, there's no conflict anymore. Yeah. Right? Whereas... (laughs) beforehand, yeah, he's got a lot of power. He can jump, he can do kung fu, they can do all this stuff. But they have the conflict of the agents They have to, are more powerful. Mm. They still have to enter and exit a certain way. The problem with Neo being able to fly is he can escape any situation. So why not just have him be able to walk out of the Matrix?
1: There's, um, you, you there's see? a couple of times they do that in the sequels as yeah. well, isn't it? Where the, the fight ramps up and up and up and up and up to a point where he just flies away. Yeah. I think I can think of two two situations where right. he does that. Yeah, exactly. But they can't do that in, in no. the original.
0: And also, you wonder why he never just jumps into people and yeah. kills them like he did with Smith. Right, in the sequels he yeah. never does it again. So why not?
1: Oh, by by the way, we should have led with this, but um, if it wasn't clear already, when we're talking about the rules and and um, uh, and setting up the rules in your fantasy or uh, in your fantasy story. We're talking about the original Matrix. Yeah, we're not um, talking about the trilogy. Yeah, we're we're talking about it in isolation because the problem with the trilogy is that these rules that they so well defined in the first one, they then uh, they break at the end of the first movie, um, which is the point. They That's don't fully good, break. It. They don't fully break. And the point is that Neo is supposed to be able to break those rules. He, yeah, but he that, can
0: break what, certain rules inside the Matrix. Yeah, it's not a big problem in terms of storytelling because there's no story after it. No, when they do the sequels, it. the storytelling gets ruined. And furthermore, as you pointed out, he breaks the rules outside the Matrix because he can control the Sentinels outside of the Matrix, yeah. which makes no sense at all. Um, because that, that they're not, unless the real world's computer simulation too, yeah. doesn't make any this sense. this is
1: something I pointed out before we started recording. Yeah, but, so but, it's,
0: um, it doesn't um, doesn't work. So we'll we'll, we'll keep it restri- unless we're providing
1: counterexample.
0: We'll keep yeah. it restricted to. So the the first matrix, yeah, the first matrix, is sets up its rules, does it very well, yeah, uh, and it has all these wonderful sort of simple, nice, it, the whole system of rules in the matrix. The way it works is it piggybacks a bunch of things onto those rules, and it basically says the world is a computer simulation. That you enter through a landline phone. That's it. Okay? Yeah. So it doesn't obey fantasy rules or magicals. It obeys rules of a computer simulation. Oh, I'm with you. Okay. Right? Yeah. Those are the rules of this world. It's not making up brand new rules. It's not making up magic or anything like that. It's yeah. saying this is a world that is a computer simulation. So all these capacities are built around how a computer works. Yes. how a simulation works. So the agent can teleport into anybody's body because it just rewrites the program. Yeah. Deja vu, they just rewrite the program. Yeah. These guys can't rewrite the program. They can only enter into the program, but they can't rewrite it. And the whole point of the one is he can rewrite it. Yeah. But unlike the agents who are rewriting it to keep a certain aesthetic that this is real, Neo rewrites his own world inside the Matrix to break it. Yeah, that's the whole point of Neo being the one, right? So, but so it's a computer system. So when they do things, not everything requires explanation because you understand how computers work.
1: That's a good point that I'd not. Yeah, I'd not. not It helps. It
0: helps deal with exposition. One of the problems with magic is if it's not clearly explained at the beginning, Mm. you have to keep explaining how magic works. You want a really nice, simple system of magic so that people can intuit how extrapolations of this thing works. Mm. So, um, for example, uh, it's one of my problems with the Harry Potter type magic, which is you just learn spells. It's like, well, what kind of spells are there? How does it work? You know, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. But sometimes, saying Doctor Strange, the concept of magic is it's kind of hacking it's very matrixy. Yeah, you know, it's hacking. So you kind of get the sense that there's ritualistic things that they can do that generate physical entities. Yeah, that's about it. And again, even that's not greatly defined. Mm. Um. So that's but that's one of the things. Whereas Lord of the Rings magic actually is a really simple thing. I.
1: It's funny. I just made. I made the note yeah. Lord of the Rings. I was going to bring it up later. Yeah. Um. Off the top of my head. Don't I know they define? Um, uh, I think they define the power of the ring, the mm-hmm. One Ring. Yes. But in terms of other, in terms of like Gandalf spells, yeah. do they actually go into that? Yeah, they do.
0: I don't know if they go into it, but it's implicit in what's going on.
1: I know it's implicit. They don't ever. There's I don't never think any...
0: they need to because the way it works is very, its just implicit, which is everything's alive. Right. And so it's just t- telling things to do things. They're all alive. Okay. So when Saruman is causing the snowstorm yeah he's saying uh he's he's waking up the mountain and gandalf is telling the mountain to sleep sleep right okay so things are alive the world everything has it's i suppose animistic is the word everything has a spirit attached to it okay and so wizards can talk to that spirit exactly they can sort of command it because then that's why he can talk to animals are you you see like he talk that's why he can talk to animals right yeah yeah he can yeah. talk to animals because and he can talk to mountains he yeah <laughs> he can talk to things the trees are alive You've if got there's the... anybody you <laughs> oh you know they've got all those things it's a bit like uh, the last Airbender okay where the way it works is you you martial art movements uh, command uh, elements yeah so uh, each element has a different movement of that it commands it. Yeah. And they're, so they've got air bending, water bending, earth bending, and fire bending. And so they have different martial art movements, and they, just, whoosh, like that. and they do a certain move, and then the fire reacts that way. They do a certain move, water reacts that way. Yeah. And so you pick it up. It's like, okay, they have to be able to move to bend. Yeah. They can't bend without moving. Right. Yeah. So you get those rules, and
1: it's dumb. So, for example, because I'm not, I'm not, um, uh, uh, watch the Airbender series I should lend you the DVDs yeah watch. I do want to watch really the like, mo- yeah. the, I, I just keep hearing, peop- I keep re- hearing people I keep hearing talk about really it the series is really nice I keep hearing people I respect talk about it and, really nice. and you as well but, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but well, I want to bend I- you <laughs> Uh, does that mean then just from the rules you defined does that mean that if you um, tied their arms together kind of prevented their yeah. physical movement then they wouldn't be able to do it yeah they can't bend if okay. they can't All move right. yeah, so
0: so you get the, so the whole point the whole reason that we've gone down this road is simply to explain if you have a very simple system by which these mechanisms work you don't have to keep explaining it the audience can intuit when something happens that yeah. this is how it works, so you don't. So characters don't have to explain how everything keeps working. Mm. So even though they have Neo and they have to explain to Neo how everything works, mm. um, they don't actually explain constantly everything that happens. They kind of have a big section where they explain this is a computer simulation. Computer simulations work this way, and then once that happens, you get how they can do anything it's almost and so like, they never break that
1: it's almost yeah
0: yeah rather than having lots of rules they have one rule and it's a, it's a really from, good point and uh,
1: by them saying because yeah. this is a computer simulation is such a a cool idea yes um that it, it kind of springs forth all these other ways that they can use it and it's yeah. almost like okay from this one cool idea here's a bunch of other stuff we can do yeah. and actually that's what they get into yeah you know, it's yeah. not that they're actually well, defining the rules. We've it, already got the rules.
0: Exactly. Again, with the Lord of the Rings, everything's alive. The yeah. One Ring, right? It's not just a ring that does uh, that it's has alive. a power. He's like, don't forget, the ring is always seeking its master. It wants to be found, right? It wants to be found. It has yeah. a desire. It has a purpose behind itself. The ring is almost alive in its own way. It's not alive in the way we would say it is. It's maybe not sentient or whatever, but it's it's got a will, mm. right? So. Everything in The Lord of the Rings that's magical has a sense of will behind it. So when they do things, they kind of have to negotiate with it. It's not just... That's why they don't cast lightning bolts and they don't zap things and all that stuff. Yeah. Because that's not how it works.
1: Is that... Do you know that for sure? Is that just what you've picked up from the from the films?
0: Uh, no, I, <laughs> no, I definitely know that, like, Gandalf says, Sleep, Kredras. Right. That's a definite thing he says.
1: I just know there's going to be people listening that know a great deal more about the lore of Lord yes. of the Rings than I Yes, as, as
0: far as I'm aware, because I've, uh, from based like, on everything in the Lord of the Rings, like definitely the ring is alive. Yeah. Karadaras is alive in that sense. It's a mountain, but it's alive. They talk yeah. to the mountain. Um, the, the He can talk to animals and all this stuff. The trees, the ants, yeah, and all this. So everything is very animistic, everything has spirit. Attached to it, everything is interconnected and alive. Sure. Um, maybe Gandalf can cast lightning bolts from his hands. In the books, maybe he does this. Yeah. I don't know if he does or not. Maybe it's explained as part of that world. I don't know. Okay.
1: So, question for the listeners: Does Gandalf cast lightning bolts? This is urgent. knowledge. Get in touch. <laughs> okay. Let's 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 move on then. Um, uh, you wanted to talk about about how the audience buys this.
0: Yeah, so um, the purpose of all these rules, why does fantasy have rules? Why can't you have a fantasy that breaks its rules, has coincidences running it? People just go, well then people won't uh, enjoy it. It's like, you have to understand fa- the, a world that you have, even if it's a real world or a fantasy world, or whatever the whole point is that you are trying to have um, you're trying to Make people buy your world, right? If people don't buy into the world, they won't, they won't, they won't believe anything that happens in it, right? Yeah, it just doesn't matter. They won't have empathy. They won't have anything because the world is just fake. They go, "You're just making this up. This isn't real." Blah blah blah. So, you have to draw people into your world, okay? But the way in which you draw them in is dependent on what kind of world that you have. So, we talk about genres, right? There's different genres for different types. One of the types of genres are genres of setting. It's got nothing to do with content or style or anything like that. It's to do with what kind of world it is. And when you talk about what kind of world, what you're talking about is the atmosphere. So with fantasy, you're telling people to imagine that this world was real. Okay? Whether it's science fiction or not. The whole point of fantasy is imagine. Now what's interesting is on the one extreme you have factualism which is telling you this really did happen so these are historical dramas, these are bio- biopics and biographical pictures and things about real historical events and on the other extreme you have absurdist stuff which is this never happened, this isn't real you know, don't pretend. And at no point are we pretending this is real okay and in both those extremes coincidence is fine to some extent um, you, the basic rule of coincidence always applies, which is you can't use coincidence to escape your story because it will eradicate meaning. You can't use coincidence just to eradicate meaning. You have to use coincidence in a meaningful way. Yeah. Okay. So, but on the one hand, on absurdism, every almost everything that they come up with is coincidental. It changes it's, it's totally inconsistent. I mean, the key of absurdism is that it's inconsistent. If you set up a rule, you almost immediately have to break it mm. because then people will start biting you. So, like, no, no, this world is ridiculous. The Looney Tunes, Father Ted, Wayne's World. Like, it's totally absurd, right? Yeah. Then the other extreme, factualism, you do expect some level of coincidence because not everything makes sense, right? What makes it, it's like, you, we don't have all the answers of, of the world. No one's omniscient. Even historians can go back and they try to make sense of things that have happened. But every now and again, there's certain events that are missing and certain coincidences. And so sometimes, so a a totally consistent (laughs) factual thing might be a little like, did that really happen? You might not buy it. So you want a little bit of coincidence here and there. Mm. Uh, But you can't use coincidence just to escape storytelling, obviously. Yeah. So coincidence is a lot more tolerable, bizarrely enough, on either side of the... Spectrum. You'd think it would just be in one direction, right? The further you get towards the, the uh, to absurdism, the more coincidental a work it can become. Mm. But actually, on both ends, there's coincidence, and it's coincidence gets lost as you go into the middle of the spectrum towards fantasy. In fantasy, you can't have coincidence, except at the very beginning, you know, Luke Skywalker happens to find those droids. Apart from that, you know, Morpheus happens to find Neo. Can't have coincidence. It's not, de- destiny is just a, a really fancy way of saying coincidence right yeah it's that's not that you can't have that either it's 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 something else you need these you have these rules and there's cause and effect and it's really rigorous and the reason is it's to draw people into the fantasy because if you start breaking those rules the audience knows you're making it up yeah and then they won't imagine that the world is real they can't imagine the world because you keep changing the rules to imagine, you have to be able to reflect on it. Yeah, you can't do that if every time you do something, and the rules change. They can't imagine that the world is real because they know it's not real, and they can't they can't have any sort of forward thinking knowledge. I love this. I
1: love this idea that absurdism is built out of coincidence. Yeah, realism is plausible because it has coincidence. No, that's factualism. Sorry, factualism. Yeah.
0: factualism. realism actually has far less coincidence than factualism. Realism is this could be true. Yeah, Factualism is, this is true Or rather, this really did happen Right? Fact of Realism is, this could happen So realism would be the wire, for example It's not meant to be things that really did happen It's supposed to be things that could happen That could happen
1: Yeah that still can it's, it still so can use coincidence. It
0: can use coincidence, but far less than factualism. Yeah, sure. Um, sure. There's, it's just. It's, but yeah, you were saying. But yeah, it's just. a
1: Yeah, saying. sorry. The, the two extreme. Yeah, I just made. I, I just wrote down the wrong word. Mm. Um, um, yeah, factualism and uh, absurdism at the opposite ends of the spectrum, and yeah. within that, in between the two, you have. Mm. Fantasy. Yeah. So I love this idea that it exists at, at both ends of the spectrum, but actually, when you go to this kind of middle ground, when you go to fantasy. Yeah. Um. In fact, middle ground's the wrong way to think of it. But you, you, you could know think it
0: about it like you know a pa- parabola. Uh, I don't describe. It's the it's the curve. You oh, know okay. a graph. Yeah, yeah. Imagine it's upside down. Right. Fantasy is the thing that's like is the thing where it's like it's dragging everything towards it. So it's like as you go towards fantasy, you get dragged into the world of fantasy. Okay. But as you go further out, it's it's less yeah, yeah. strict. Okay. You can think of it that way. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, t-
1: I love the fact I love the idea that for it to be plausible, you have to remove coincidence.
0: Yeah, it's is the bizarre thing about fantasy is it's the most rigorous. Yeah. It has to be the most strict of all of them. Because if you start making up, people can tell you're making it up. Like, the 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 audience is willing to let you make stuff up to get them into the world. But once they're I in there, that. they expect you to keep to your rules. Because otherwise, you can just make... Because there's this real... I, whenever you see a story and it starts breaking its rules, there's a level of offense. Where it's like, why did I invest my time into a world you can't be bothered to finish? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't Absolutely. that how it feels? Yeah. So it's like you didn't bother to finish it. Why did I waste my time?
1: <laughs> and it's what it. You, as a writer, you make the choice. This yeah. Is, this is all choice. As a writer, you make the choice to set these boundaries. To, yeah. to put the. Um, uh, to set the cage where you want to for the audience, yeah, right? Yeah, It's how you described it before. Yeah, basically
0: it's like a cage of fun, like a ball pen, right? Yeah. <laughs> so if the ball pen doesn't have any walls, the balls just fall everywhere and there's no fun. <laughs> you need to have the pen, right? It has to have walls, the balls oh are fun. Oh my God, I
1: love the analogy. Isn't it Yes. Yeah,
0: <laughs> so so you have a ball pen and people enjoy the ball pen and that's what the rules are there for, so that people can get into the world and enjoy it. Yeah. If you start getting rid of the walls... It just goes everywhere. It doesn't work. <laughs> it's a big ball mess. All you end up doing is tripping up on balls and breaking your hip. And it's just ridiculous. <laughs> no one wants to do that. Why would you do that? He so... sounded so old-timey as well. <laughs> <laughs> Damn kids! Break my hip! So that's that's how fantasy yeah. works, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And but yeah, so as, I as think a that's writer, it's actually a really good analogy because
1: this, <laughs> it's terrific. you want to have fun, right? It's, yeah. it's
0: you've had the fun in the world.
1: But as as a writer, you set where those walls are. Yes. And so you you make all these choices before yeah. you uh, creating your world to to set your story there and so you invite the audience in and so they get yeah. pissed off if you suddenly go oh by the way the wall behind you that's not really yeah. there because in order for me to finish my story I need actually need to, yeah. to leave it's it's
0: yeah, well, you jump in there and then it's like, the, you, you go, hey, this is fun. And then one of the walls just falls down. Right. It's like, oh dear, <laughs> this has all gone wrong. So one of the... Th- and then you have you have, and then you have the pedants. You go, but, you know, if I take the ball out of the pen... You know, we'll, so, we'll yeah, come, well done. We'll come back to pedants in, in <laughs> we'll a minute. We'll come back to pedants. We'll come back to pedants.
1: Um, I wanted to talk about exploiting the... The rules that you set up, yes. because this is why I suggested the Matrix. Yes, it's because so it has this rule that says, "Okay, this is a computer program." It explains all these things, uh, all this kind of cool stuff yeah. that that they can do. For example, um, the uh, the so I made a note of a few the landline. Yes. Okay, they travel in and out through a landline. So yeah. this is one of, of the rules within the world. Well, they exploit that later in the movie Yes. where um, the phone line gets uh, destroyed mm. um, and all of a sudden Neo is trapped on his own Right. Um, and has to find the next yeah. line, right? So now he's got a chase. He's yeah. being chased by Agent Smith. Yes. And it's terrifying is the wrong word but it's exciting it's very exciting right it's yeah. really exciting and yeah. that's a great bit in the movie that's the bit that yeah. culminates with
0: he's beginning shot. to believe no that's it? before oh that's before it is before the beginning he, he oh no no you're no, no 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 beg your pardon you're quite right it's the scene where he meets him in the subway yeah and instead of running he decides to fight smith yeah because what's neo doing and he's like he's beginning, beginning to believe, to believe. <laughs> that's the scene so yeah it's 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 this
1: rule, okay, they can only go in and out through phone lines, so at some point they would have gone, well, what if? Yes. What if he's got well, to run?
0: The thing about it is, like, yeah, when you make these rules, you're setting up payoffs. Yeah. If you, if you put in a rule and you never pay it off, it's sort of, why did you waste my time with that rule? So the great thing about having a simple, simple system by which the rules come off, like the world is a computer simulation, yeah. is that in itself can generate any number of setups that you need. Mm. Okay? And it's one of the reasons why people want to do sequels in the world. Because they can see setups based off that rule of that you haven't paid off. But because you didn't explicitly go, it works this way. Here's this particular setup. Yeah. It's not a big deal. For example, here's a setup that they have in the Matrix that they never pay off. Go on. Which is, Morpheus says, you think that's air? You're breathing now? There isn't a scene where Neo is being suffocated and then realizes he doesn't need to breathe. Oh
1: my. That's
0: true. Right? Yeah. That never comes up. Yeah. But that could be an awesome setup. Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's it's dripping it's, with all these little it really rules. really is. Yeah. And it's like you don't need to pay them all off because it's, it's a matter of what feels like a setup and what mm. doesn't. And so the landlines The because the film is about him running out, but that could have been a great scene where like there is a scene where, where Morphe, where Smith is choking Neo. Yeah. He could have, that could have been the scene where he's like, I'm not breathing. <laughs> right. That's why there is no spoon scene. They could have done that. That's yeah. a little thing. So there's all kinds of, that's, that's the brilliance of, of that kind of, um, the, the better the, the system the better the rules, as yeah. it were The better the magic is created in that world The more possibilities you create But without breaking it Yeah Whereas um, the, the, the problem is, is um, You don't want to break those rules But at the same time you can't set things up And not pay them off Because then that will be annoying mm. So you create this environment Where the setups are implicit But they don't have to be spelt out so as a result, when you do pay them off, the audience goes back and sees the setups they didn't notice. Yeah. But they aren't looking forward to certain.
1: Payoffs. It's it's a really good point. I'm glad you mentioned the Morpheus line because yeah. I never saw that no. as a setup. No. I mean, it's not a setup
0: no. because they don't they don't. It's never a setup. No one thought of it as a setup. But I mean, in it fact, it
1: goes been. it goes back to a point you made in a previous podcast um, where it is fine to have setups uh, that don't pay off. Yeah. But the audience can't see that.
0: Yeah, you can never notice. Th- if you notice a setup and it doesn't pay off, you get really annoyed. Right. Yeah. So when Morpheus does that thing, it's like, you know, there's like, Oh, yeah, what are they? They're not breathing. Well, this is really weird. But you don't think about it later on. No, you think, oh, it's a computer no. program. But the, the fact that the way that they enter and exit the Matrix is constantly talked about, yeah. that becomes things that become later. But it's it's just one of those things where it's it, it's just a matter of emphasis. Mm-hmm. Than what you're emphasizing, so even though there's all these possibilities, they don't have they can't emphasize them all, they only have a certain number of scenes, yeah, of course. But they could have paid that off if they were, I mean, to just it. gave
1: them it gave the Wachowskis so yeah. many choices, didn't they? Right, because and they, they get to choose, that's it, they have choices, yeah. yeah. Um, well, it's a good point then to move on really briefly to the animatrix, yes, because the animatrix basically proves the, an- the animatrix. <laughs>
0: Uh, <laughs> no,
1: no, I'm le- gonna let you go until you run out of steam. I ran out of steam. Okay, can I jump back in now? No, you have to sing <laughs> the nations
0: of the world. I wish I knew
1: all the by the Neo, words to that. by Morpheus.
0: Neo, the nations of the world: United States, Canada, Mexico, Panama, Haiti, Jamaica, Peru. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay.
1: The Animatrix proves your point about a this world being so rich with implicit set-ups yes. that somebody else can come in and create stories off the back yeah, of that. right. So the Animatrix...
0: Um, well, if- Star Wars does that too, right? With Vader. Oh, yeah, for right? sure. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not just something unique to the Animatrix. It's, it's one of those things where the world then feels bigger than the story. Yeah, absolutely. Because not everything in the world has been mined. Whereas at the same time, not everything in the world has been set up and explained, but you know there's stuff outside of this story as well yeah like there's a fa- past history there's a future history etc
1: the animatrix if you if you've seen the matrix and you haven't seen the animatrix it's worth looking up particularly yeah. there's a couple of them that are, are wonderful the there's osiris one the final and the history of the, yeah the final flight of the osiris um was the first one on there and it was the what the was two-part
0: it? history of the war between the machines and people yeah that explains how they ended up with the matrix yeah is done yeah. very well but the yeah do, but Like I said, proves Bass's
1: um, uh, point about the world being so rich that other people can come in and create these stories. Yeah. Um, uh, In fact, you mentioned one that it were um, before before we started recording. One, what the other Matrix movies should have been. Oh, my idea for Matrix
0: Three. Yeah. Yeah, the third
1: one. Um, Oh, I know. I was I was actually thinking of the Morpheus one, but yeah, it's the same one.
0: Oh, same one. Yeah. Remember, it, was, it, was, it flashes back. Oh, okay, okay. Go the on. basic idea being that in the end of Matrix Two, Neo gets lost in the Source. So the idea is the Source is what connects not just the Matrix but all the Matrix, right? There's <laughs> multiple matrices out there, right? So there's so the idea that you have Matrix Three being Morpheus and Trinity searching other matrices for Neo, and so they go to a Samurai Matrix. <laughs> And if you don't think that's cool, you're wrong. They go to the Wild West Matrix, you know? And it's just... Uh, the idea of Trinity into, in, like, a Victorian... Like, 1890s Victorian England Matrix. Trinity in that world. I think it comes down to this. Would be amazing, right? I think it comes down to this.
1: Your audience are basically people that enjoyed the holodeck episodes of Star Trek.
0: No, no, no. My, people with tastes. Sort of. like, <laughs> if you don't think Trinity kick-flipping... A, a, an agent smith with a wig right it like they'd just be unbelievable and and so but the thing is as they're doing that you're having flashbacks to morpheus's previous attempts to find neo because if you remember he was convinced he was told uh, you will find the one he must have failed <laughs> right so you have these flashbacks to people he thought were the, was the one and they got killed yeah. and then you would think back to oh hold on a minute Morpheus was at the end of his tether when he found Neo. Mm. And so that's why everyone on, on the ship, the Nebuchadnezzar, was like, I think Morpheus is losing it. And it explains why Cypher had had enough yeah. and all that stuff. So it really goes back and you can really explain how important it is that Morpheus found Neo and why he's going across all these matrices, risking his life so much to find him a second time because everything is about Neo for him. Yeah. So it's just one of those things where that's. I thought that would be a really cool thing because the the whole point of the Matrix is it's a fictional computerized world, so it can be any. They picked. Remember, they make a point. We picked this time because it's the apex of human right. civilization before the machines and everything. So like well they can pick any time they want so So why not have it be Samurai Japan instead of (laughs) instead
1: of (laughs) Samurai Agent Smith we got a a French man in a restaurant giving a woman an orgasm with cake oh oh, what a silly silly idea
0: (laughs) anyway back to me back to my come on Camelot Camelot Matrix Camelot Matrix (laughs) come on Morpheus as a knight of the round table how is this not amazing stop it like Morpheus just going listen Arthur (laughs) I want okay. to talk
1: to you about now. Moving on, okay. Um, Everyone knows. I I'm wanted right. to mention because uh, you, you hinted at it earlier. I wanted to mention the audience stepping out, yes. and stepping out of this. this
0: well, world hold on. All this stuff about other matrices, yeah, is built off the idea of the whole point of it is it's a computer simulation, right? And the computer simulation part of the fun of the Matrix is not just imagine that this world is real, but imagine that this could be the real world. Yeah. Okay? That this is actually something that could be happening, that perhaps it's the old philosophical thing that Descartes did, which is maybe you're just a brain in a jar. Okay? Yeah. So, literally, you're in a jar in the Matrix. So, part of this fun element is explaining certain unexplained phenomena by saying we're in a computer simula- a simulation run by machines to keep us sedated. Right? Yeah. That's part of the fun. So, then you can go, okay, if it's a computer simulation, it doesn't have to be this particular time and place it could be a different part of human history what elements of human history can be explained by a computer simulation in say feudal japan in victorian england uh and things like that so what elements of these things could be fun to explain and have fun with because now you're saying this is a computer simulation So the Wild West is a computer simulation, you know. And so there's the fun in that of taking the same system but applying it to something else. Mm. That's why it's fun, sort of a fun exploration to do. Mm. Just kind of go, well, what would work, what wouldn't work? And I I wouldn't be surprised if you sat down to write this. You'd realize that certain worlds don't work with the matrix and certain ones do. Sure. And you might discover that actually anything before computers doesn't really work that well. Mm. Because one, first of all, you have to explain what's the equivalent of a landline in feudal Japan, right? Right. Do you have to have a landline regardless? In which case, feudal Japan, the Wild West, Victorian England—that's all out the window. So, what other worlds are there that with a landline that could be interesting? Could it just be interesting to set it in Africa, contemporary Africa? Yeah. Uh, where before, for infra- certain infrastructure of, of phone lines and so on. So. So the whole thing is like the basic system allows for all these opportunities that could be fun to possibly generate new stories out of. Mm. That makes sense, and you're you're keeping that whole thing of it's got to be plausible. There's got to be a sense that this can be explained and rationalized in our world, which is part of the fun of the Matrix, right? Yeah. So that's just that's just the, an element of the fun of having these cool things because it gives you avenues to explore. I mean, that's the whole thing. It's like, how big is the ballpen? Right? Okay. How far can you push it before you hit against the wall? Yeah. And once you hit against the wall, then you go, okay, that's as far as this world can go. Then you can make choices to keep it further in the fun yeah. aspect of the world. Um, because then if you go too far, it can ruin it. Yeah.
1: Well, let's go back to the ballpen then. Because yes. the thing I was trying to bring up with people stepping out uh, right. of the ballpen, which you hinted at earlier.
0: Yeah, so you get p- people who are very pedantic about certain things. They can be... And and if writers do this, it can be really problematic because then they go into huge lengths to explain away a logic hole or a plot hole. And a lot of the times, the problem is if someone takes, the, takes what's in this world, outside of the world, and says, isn't it silly? It's like, yeah, it's silly. Superman can't fly. Well done. <laughs> But that's because you took it out of the world. And some people might go, oh, but if, I take, if they take it out the world, it'll ruin it. So can we make the ballpen bigger? It's like, you can make the ballpen bigger, but now you're trying to make the ballpen bigger, but someone can always just take it out of the world. It's always going to be it's, fictionalized. What do you mean by uh,
1: to do that, we need to make the ball pen bigger? So,
0: for example, uh, say you discover a plot hole problem. Okay? Yeah. So, how do you solve it? Well, you make the world bigger to encompass the plot hole. Oh, okay. I to see. solve the plot hole, but it's like, why? Macbeth, Hamlet, these have plot holes. Everything has plot holes. So the problem is not if the plot hole is created by taking it outside of the world. It's if the plot hole's inside. Sure. Okay. If someone is in the ball pen and they can break the wall, mm. that's the problem. Not if someone is in the ball pen. They take a ball, walk outside the ball pen, and go, huh. If I drop it, it'll just roll around the ball pens, bro. It's like, it's not in the ball pen anymore. It's
1: not fun if you take the balls out of the f- ball
0: pen. Yeah, it's like, yeah, you're w- well done. It's not fun. <laughs> so it's it's just one of those things where it's like, um, yeah. So Matrix plot hole then. Well, oh, <laughs> is there one in the Matrix?
1: I, d- I know there was. Or oh, being
0: pedantic.
1: You, yeah, be pedantic with the Matrix. Have yeah, some fun.
0: It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> okay, explain. Why would you use humans as mach- as batteries? Why? Why not just use cows? Why not use other animals? Because cows can't do kung fu, famously, in fact. That makes them better <laughs> than humans. Yes. Someone actually pointed out that human beings would be a terrible battery because the the way you would run it is off the excess heat, and we don't produce that much heat. It's a highly inefficient battery. Plus, battery technology is... is it just doesn't make sense. The whole point of it is like they raised the sun, they destroyed the they destroyed the sun, okay? They blacked out the sun, okay, to stop solar-powered machines. That makes no sense at all. That's basically saying, "Oh my god, we currently right now have have an entire civilization built on non-solar energy." The machines can't possibly replicate that. They created storms. Why aren't they run by wind? Do you see what I mean? There's electricity or there's lightning all the time. Use electricity. Have electricity farms. Why have you purposely created a... This is the most unfun you have ever it's been. It's so boring to do this, <laughs> right? It's just like, well, it doesn't really work. So yeah, it doesn't really work. Um, it's just, but people kind of get euphoric. About so maybe we are in the Matrix. No, we're not. But maybe Deja Vu is someone rerunning computer. No, it's not. That's just not how it works. That's not what Deja Vu is. Go away. Like, that's not what it feels like to have deja vu or anything like that. Okay. it's
1: But the point, I guess, if there is one, is to make your world fun enough and compelling
0: enough yeah. that actually people don't the point, feel the, the need point The point of the world is the balls in the ballpen are so much fun to play with. You don't want to leave the ballpen, right? And people go, if I take the balls out of the ball pen, it's boring. It's like, well, it didn't really happen, did it? No, it didn't really happen. Well done. Bravo you get an award for stating the Obvious like what's the point here Why are you doing this it's fun it's just Meant to be fun inside this world Yeah. Having fun we go into this World to get something we can't Get anywhere else that's why we're in Here that we're in the matrix because It's cool to have this Thing of there's a secret oh, man, world With a computer cool. simulation It was cool it's as just, well wasn't it Yeah it's, and it's like it's fun to play with And yeah it's okay what if we're in a Computer simulation do you do do yeah, but then it's like it's fun in there but then you don't walk out and complain it just does anyway so it's just so that kind of stuff isn't worth dealing with okay that's just for pedants and forgetting. Yeah yeah and you shouldn't write to that because it's just damaging for your work because yeah. then you're constantly second guessing everything and you have to explain everything and guess what you never will yeah And it can get in the way of a really great story. Um, Terminator 2 can't work if you do that. Yeah. Because the whole rule of Terminator is only organic tissue can travel back in time. The T-1000 isn't organic, therefore it can't travel through time. So that would mean that the T-1000 would have to have a scene explaining how it traveled through time. Or it shows up covered in meat. I've not heard that plot hole in that one before. It is a huge plot hole. I know
1: the time travel itself yeah. is held up at the end of the movie and she basically says, it doesn't make sense, don't think about it, it's fine. <laughs> at the end of the first one, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, but in, yeah, I, I yeah. didn't know the T-1000. Yeah.
0: But he can't travel through time. But guess what, you, you don't notice why, because when he travels through time you think he's a human being. right you think he's the human you think the terminator's the bad guy you don't know he dresses up as a policeman you think okay that until he gets shot you go what like that you've forgotten the rules and they never bring those rules up again and it's just like fine whatever but like you go well actually you know he can't jail oh well done yeah so now we don't get terminator 2 is that is that your end goal here we shouldn't have terminator 2 you're wrong do you think terminator 2 slightly undermines
1: what we're saying about no. Keeping the walls in the pen. The no. In the pen. No.
0: I, as I pointed out, I pointed out. I said in this ridiculous analogy that's like being hammered to death. Yeah. The problem is, if someone takes a ball from the bullpen outside of the bullpen and complains, that's got nothing to do with you. If you press up against the walls of the bullpen and it collapses, that's your problem. Yeah. Okay. But <laughs> if people are in the bullpen and having fun, and the balls are keeping people inside the bullpen. It's okay if, you know, oh, there's a hole in okay, the ball I pen. See, I see. But no one will notice. Yeah, okay, fine. It's okay. Like, if no one actually notices, and it's like, look, the ball pen, it doesn't have a roof. Yeah. yes, yeah, so the balls could go out the top of the roof if anyone notices. They start throwing the balls out. Yeah, but I don't think they will do that. Why? Because they don't want to. Got it. Okay? <laughs> and it's fine. Right? Sure. So the T-1000 thing, like, no one... Back to the Future 2 has a huge plot hole. No one noticed. Yeah. Right? Uh, by, by the way, the plot hole in Back to the Future 2 is that uh, they go to 1985. It's changed because Biff has changed the past. Yeah. So 1985 is basically run by Donald Trump. And um, then they go, they go they decide to go back to 1955 to stop old Biff from giving young Biff the sports almanac that changes the future. And Marty says, well, what about Einstein and Jennifer? And he goes, don't worry, Marty. As soon as we change 1955... 1985 will instantly change around them. They'll never notice a thing. However, in 2015, when, young, when Old Biff changed the past, it didn't immediately alter 2015. They didn't notice until they went back to 1985. So actually, the doc is wrong, and yet he turns out to be right. It's a plot hole. What does it matter? No one cares. It's just fun. Do, 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 great Scott Marty. It's one of those things where it's just like, yes, you can. Basically, as I pointed out, if you take the ballpen out of the world, okay. That's being annoying. The other thing that's being annoying is deliberately breaking the ballpen from the inside <laughs> and then complaining it wasn't strong enough to stand up to you. It's like, we didn't design this because we thought someone would come into the ballpen and blow it up. That wasn't... It, it doesn't need to be built for that. So it's just one of those things. It's like, have fun in the world. It's, it's well, one is... of those things that you do by feel. It's... If people... If you do a thing and everyone's going, wait, the plot hole isn't working or there's this thing. It's like then guess what? There isn't enough narrative momentum. There isn't enough narrative drive to make people gloss over it. This is a problem. You have to solve it. But sometimes they're not problems that need solving because no one notices them. And so it's okay. So some people are terrified that one day someone will go and notice a a plot hole. Mm. But noticing a plot hole isn't the same as saying the plot hole is destructive. Yeah, there's a big difference. There's a big difference. And People's tastes vary. That's true and so on. But there is a sense of... If it took you a long time to notice the plot hole, it's not probably not an it's issue. It's not an issue. Um, okay, so good moment then
1: to bring up um, Iceman. But before we talk about Iceman, <laughs> I want to talk about Banshee. Okay. So, yes, there's a reason this has come up, um, which I'll, I'll go into now. So, we were talking about the rules in The Matrix. And yes. What, uh, and, and what I love about the rules in The Matrix is that it... it um, uh, as I said, it defines them and then has fun with them. It yeah. kind of builds on them. And I was reminded of uh, X Men First Class. Um, I don't remember much of the movie, but what I loved the most was at the end, because they. Um, def- uh, the, with pa- with superhero powers, mm. you, you define the powers in the yeah. set. So, like, there are rules to the powers. Right. Yeah. And Banshee can scream. Great. Um, so that that's fine. But at the end of X Men First Class. Uh, Is it he or she, Banshee? He. It's a he. Yeah. Um, It's been that long since I've seen it. I can't remember. Uh, Banshee then figures out that, or somebody tells him that he can use his power in order to fly. Fly. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so it's like you set out the rule for the audience and the audience expects, therefore, this power to be used in a certain way. And then as a writer, you can twist and say, well, actually, here's something cool and unexpected. Yeah. Um, And it's fun. Yes. So it works, right? Yes.
0: But you're... But I, <laughs> I, I, I said right to, to you, we have to be careful because uh, what they do in comics is they then extrapolate the power so far that they end up with absurd, senile suggestions. Like Iceman. some basically people went, there's no such thing as cold. Because what cold really is, is an absence of heat. Okay? So Iceman doesn't create cold. He removes heat. And then someone realised that that makes him the most powerful mutant in the X-Men world. And that... Iceman can theoretically crack the planet in half with his powers, and you go, "No, he throws snowballs at people. That's what this character does. He doesn't crack the planet in half." Um, and actually, what it reminds me of—it reminds me of role playing, yeah. where someone discovers that the rules for a certain power in the game are so ill-defined that they can totally break the game with it. And so, for example, there's the thing of like, hold on, I can summon bears, <laughs> infinite bears, right? Just every solution bears. You just throw bears at people. And I remember one game where, we <laughs> where Will was the GM for this, and it was a World War II superheroes game. And, uh, Bob Shaw was playing a character who, who wh- he was like an, a manga guy. So whatever he drew came to life. So right. he drew Godzilla. And it's like, that's cool. But then he went, hold on a minute. What if I draw Godzilla in the air? Because then Godzilla lands, kills everyone, and then kills everyone even more. So it's like a double whammy. To which we started arguing about, hold on. Because of Godzilla's size, if he falls, he'd just die. He'd just explode. (laughs) Because that's how Inverse Square Law. 40 minutes of arguing over this. And then we resolved with, worst case scenario, giant flesh bomb. And so... That's what happened. So every every situation we came up with was like giant flesh bomb, giant flesh bomb, like that. And so you, can, so it, can, so so this is this is the problem with sort of abstracting and extrapolating powers beyond what the bullpen allows. Because then you go, oh. Oh no, I've destroyed this world <laughs> right. with these ridiculous extrapolations and extravagate. Because when you have Superman punch, so he's so strong he can punch through time and space. But there's just no point anymore. Yeah. Someone goes, wait, the force that Superman would require to be able to punch that strong to lift a tank or whatever means he could theoretically punch through time. Okay, that you've ruined everything now. <laughs> like, this doesn't make any sense.
1: Sorry, the 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 idea that Hitler would be in a bunker somewhere and Superman's <laughs> fist would appear through time. Yeah, right, that's
0: this is. But this is <laughs> the thing. Like, how did Superboy Prime come into the regular DC universe by punching through space and time? What? Uh, it's but this is this is the kind of they they try and ground it in the science in the rules of the world, but say like, yeah. the rules can only go so far before you break the world. Yeah, because the world isn't real. It's a it's a fiction. Yeah. And it's not meant to do that, so there's a boundary element to it. It, it ruins the tone, right? Yeah, it ruins the tone of it, um, because now Iceman isn't the it isn't can't if Iceman can destroy the planet, it kind of doesn't work that he's a hero anymore with rookie powers, who doesn't know how to use them and is like the cool guy in the X Men. He's kinda of, oh, so he can just destroy the planet. He's a walking MacGuffin. <laughs> like every time Magneto should have said, I'm going to do something terrible Charles He goes one second Iceman, Hey if you do anything I don't like I'll blow up the planet I'll just crack it in half What are you going to do about it <laughs> Okay Charles you win this round <laughs> Like there's no one No one can deal with this I'm sure there's a similar
1: break for Magneto Basically being a giant magnet, right
0: Now Magneto being able to Like he does the whole I will reverse the poles of the planet and destroy the planet Is okay because he's the villain Oh sure, okay. Yeah. Right, it's yeah, yeah, okay yeah. that Magneto wants to destroy the world and has the power to do it. Yeah. That's what makes it the story. Yeah. But when Iceman can do it, you is Iceman a villain now? Like what are you going to do with this power now that you've given it to him? This power breaks the world because it means that you can't tell the stories the world was meant to tell. Yeah. That's what's broken the world. <laughs> It's like, we can't tell the fun World War Two escapades of the superheroes anymore because every situation involves a giant flesh bomb. So, <laughs> you see what I mean? Like, this cool World War Two storyline has become a farce because of the giant flesh bomb. Yeah, It's become a ridiculous, absurd farce. You can't take this world seriously anymore. Do you see what I mean? So as a writer, then, what, what, what do we need to make sure of? Well, it would seem that... The boundaries of the world, in terms of not just what's possible, it, it's the boundaries of the world in terms of what's possible in relation to tone, structure, uh, the kind of story that you're telling. The world isn't, there's no, the world can't be built as though the story isn't related to it. Yeah, The world is built to express the story, right? The story gets told inside the world. So it doesn't matter where your inspiration comes from and how the process guides it. But the world and the story are linked. And if there's multiple stories in this world, then that's fine too. Mm. But And that means the world just has to be big enough to encompass these stories properly uh, without breaking them and ruining them. And so if your story is supposed to be funny, and this is true for any genre, right? Any sort of type of world... But if your story is supposed to be funny, right? Great. Yeah. Then you want your world to be funny. So if we're supposed to buy into a certain type of world that's supposed to be serious, but then you have these absurd extrapolations, then it will just ruin your world. Yeah. If you have a character that's supposed to be an underdog, but you've given him so much power that he can actually overcome everything, which is what happened to Neo... Then there's no conflict in your story, and your world yeah. becomes boring, and all those rules don't matter anymore because he can rewrite the rules.
1: Addressing those sequels, then just for, just for a moment, they at the end of there was there was such a feeling of um, completion and satisfaction when Neo finally becomes the one. Yeah, and he flies. He, yeah. and he flies. Him flying all of a sudden, it's he can now break the rules. Yeah. That's You the humans win. It yeah, ends. The war's over. Yeah, like we don't need to see how it happens. Hold, a, hold a parade. Yeah. no, no version of the war on screen will be as satisfying as yeah. what we create in our in our heads in that moment. Yeah. He flies, excellent. Right, right. That yeah. story's over. And you said originally this was going to be the number three.
0: There was there's 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 this thing that it was supposed to be the third film in a trilogy, but they yeah. didn't get they weren't given the green light for three films. so They did the last film as the as the only film. Right, which makes.
1: Yeah, which makes sense. I mean, makes it's the sense. end of the story, so yeah. tell,
0: tell the end of so, the story. But the way you could make Neo work in the sequels, I think, there is a possibility of making him work, which is you have to explain why he can't just do whatever he wants right. inside the world. And I thought the really obvious solution is that uh, the reason he doesn't constantly use his powers and everything is because the set, the machines realize they can't stop Neo in the world, they can stop him outside the world. Mm. And so the machines just step up their attacks on Zion to an enormous degree so that the people in Zion don't want Neo in the Matrix anymore. Mm. It's like we had some semblance of stability, now we don't. It's now you've, cr- you've created Armageddon, again. Making basically. the enemy. Yeah, you, so everyone hates Neo, and so Neo's trying to come up with a new way to solve the situation as quickly as possible. So he has to... So you have lots of conflict outside of the Matrix.
1: Mm.
0: So the in the in the first film, Plus, all the conflict is them trying to kill Neo in the Matrix. Well, what if you flip it in the second film? Or because remember the Sentinels, they attack the ship in the first film, yeah, and yeah, they yeah. stop them with the EMP, yeah, okay. And Neo's trapped in the Matrix, and they can't use the EMP until Neo gets out the Matrix. He gets yeah. out the Matrix, and they hit the EMP, okay, and that stops. That's the, a tremendous,
1: tight. You know when you when you set the clock in an action yeah. movie, uh, I, I, it's tremendous that scene. Yeah,
0: because he ha- if he hits it too early. Yeah. He kills Neo, and if he doesn't hit it soon enough, they all die. Yeah. And so Morpheus is clearly he won't hit it until Neo's out. yeah, the thing he won't risk it. He'll take everybody down.: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so it, does, it works really well. So the idea is you step up that. It's, sure. you put a lot more focus on them having to avoid not just Sentinel patrols, but the Nairobi and the other ships, mm. because they all want Neo's ship taken down. Then, like, If we sacrifice Neo to the machines If we say, hey, here's Neo, how about a truce? Mm. Like, you, have a re- you have that Like The humans think, we have now the capacity For a truce mm. the ho- You're like a nuclear weapon, we never use you We just threaten to And then we have a standoff And then we can hopefully negotiate our way out of this yeah. And so Neo, will he play by So you focus a lot more on that thing You don't go to Zion You focus on the cool thing of, of, yeah, of yeah, the yeah. non-matrix bit Which is the ship That's how you do it Right, And then in the third film, because Neo gets lost, Neo isn't in it, so it's not a big deal. And then you can have the whole Neo at the end saves everyone. Okay, yeah. that as you point out, it's like once Neo's out of the bottle and able to do what he wants, you can't really have much of a story because he overcomes all the conflict. So you have yeah, to find it, the conflict of that world.
1: Neo is now able to break the rules that made the story so cool in the first yeah, phase, he Yeah, right?
0: it's not so much he breaks them, it's more, because he's built into those rules, it's more that he, he overcomes all the conflict. Yeah. Okay. You know, it's, it's a better it's, way of putting. Yeah, it, yeah, it's not that he breaks the logic of the world; it's that he overcomes all the conflict in the world. All yeah. those rules don't mean anything to him. He can just circumnavigate them. Yeah. So what's the point? Which is
1: why you have therefore scenes where,
0: they, yeah. re- w-
1: like the example you've used in, in the lecture, or, or, uh, where he's fighting fifty Agent Smiths. Yeah. Or however just, many. It doesn't work. Yeah, it doesn't work. Because it, it, it doesn't. Matter.
0: Ma- it doesn't matter how many of them there are. Yeah. Yeah. He can't be killed. He
1: can't kill them all.
0: He can fly away whenever he, can he needs fly away, to. Which so he, he does. Con- That's how the yeah. scene ends, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, they contrive reasons why he can't fly away. They grab his legs or whatever. Yeah. It's like Whatever. This is just cutting. There's nothing happening. You're just waiting until... and yeah. thought. Yeah. So, yeah, it doesn't work. Um, okay,
1: so if we're going to sum this up. Yes. Um, uh, then what's, what's the most sensible way to do I it? I would
0: suggest that the building of a world has purpose. That there's a reason why your world has the rules that it has. Yeah. So the Matrix expresses something through those world through those rules. The whole fact that reality is mutable, that you can change it, that we're prisoners in our society, and so you know it's very sort of raging. You know, there's a reason they have rage against the machines. Wake up at the end yeah. of the thing, right? Like it's a very anarchistic story. Sure. And which is very interesting because it uses the hero's journey, <laughs> which <laughs> is really sort of traditionalized, right? Yeah. So. They have a lot of, like, anarchy and, uh, you know, down with the system and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And that you have the power to change the world, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. And they use the computer simulation thing, which is a very sort of trendy hacker thing, to talk about that and so on. And so all these choices are there to express a certain thing. There's a purpose behind these choices. It's not just let's just create this interesting world and have all these elements to it and then just try and address everything because your world isn't real your world is a fiction for a purpose yeah uh even if it's a factualistic world in a biographical world it's still a fiction Mm. it's not the actual events right it's a it's a story so the story can be as honest or as fictionalized or factual however you want it to be But there's a purpose behind them, and therefore there's purposes in those choices, and so those things are choices, and you you shouldn't get caught up with how someone can manipulate your world in a way that ruins it, or that you get caught up in logic holes. You have to remember that what people want is they want a world to get lost in. They want to be lost into it, so you don't have to fight against it. They're not a hostile audience, so you just have to give them the inroads and they'll come in. Mm. And then once they're in, make sure it's really great and that's it. Uh, But if you start, but if your world isn't properly done or whatever, then if they can come in and they can ruin it very easily, then it's, it's, what's the point?
1: And and be consistent. Yeah, you have to be consistent in fantasy and things like that, yeah. Cool. Okay. I think that's nice. Okay, yo.
0: (laughs) Bye. Bye.